In prayer as we begin. Dear Father, we thank you for your goodness to all and your grace in Christ to us. We thank you for the word that you have given to teach and instruct us. We pray that by your spirit you would make it effectual to our understanding and our growth in grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're coming to the chapter, chapter 25 in the Westminster Confession of Faith, um, which is on the church. If you're following along in the hymnal, that would be page 863, 863 of the church. Um, I'll go ahead with the first article as we dive in. Begins by saying, The Catholic or universal church, which is invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ the head thereof, and is the spouse, the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so this begins by speaking of the church in the most universal way, uh, speaking of the, the Catholic or universal church. Uh, in other words, Catholic means universal. It's another word for that. And uh, speaking of the universal church, it is invisible. Um, it's invisible because it consists of the whole number of the elect. Can you see the whole number of the elect? Um, it is a spiritual and invisible reality. It's the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ the head. Uh, and so we're looking at the big picture here, the people that from all eternity past God has chosen as his people. And some of them have been gathered and are actually in glory now, the church triumphant, uh, the spirits of righteous made perfect, as Hebrews describes them. Uh, some are gathered now, are, are being gathered as, as the church uh, today on earth, uh, the church militant, and uh, some are yet to be gathered. Um, some are currently unsaved. Uh, some have yet to be born. Um, and so this church, this universal church, will be, will be visible on the uh, consummation at the end of the age when uh, the church is perfected and cleansed and fully gathered, all the elect gathered in, all the non-elect uh, taken out, uh, and so it's thinking of the church in that sense. And scripture speaks of the church uh, in this way. Um, in John 10, for example, where it speaks of the sheep that are in the flock, you know, so this is an analogy of for the church, the shepherd is, is Jesus Christ, and uh, there it's described as those whom the Father has given to Christ that he might gather them. And he had sheep that were not yet gathered into the flock that he had to gather. And so there would be one flock and one shepherd. Um, and they would hear his voice and not hear anyone else's voice. And he would save them in the end. Uh, and so there's this uh, universal church, the, the flock of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Another analogy here used is that of the spouse or the body of Christ. Uh, Ephesians speaks of the, the bride, the church being the bride of Christ, uh, that there's certainly a process of being washed and cleansed and perfected so that in the end it might be, uh, she might be presented to Christ without any spot or blemish. Uh, and so thinking of that uh, reality which is being worked on over time. Um, so in this, this sense, the church has been chosen from eternity, is being gathered into one throughout history, and shall be fully gathered without remainder at the end of the age. And only members of the invisible church shall be saved. Uh, the larger catechism gets into this question. Uh, The members of the invisible church by Christ enjoy union and communion with him in grace and glory. And so they are in time called, effectually called, uh, exercise faith and repentance, receive justification, adoption, sanctification, have the beginning of glory in this life and the sense of uh, God's love and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit, and then uh, glory in heaven after death, and then uh, the resurrection and age to come uh, with Christ forever. So this speaks of the universal church, uh, which is invisible, but the rest of the chapter is going to primarily focus on the church as its presently, you know, its historical visible existence, or uh, the administration of this church in time on earth, which we might call the visible church. Uh, any questions, though, on the invisible church before we move on? All right, so I'll go ahead and read uh, Article 2. The visible church, which is also Catholic or universal under the gospel, not confined to one nation as before under the law, consists of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion and of their children, and is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and family of God, out of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation." And so the church can be described in terms of its visible existence in history as a uh, society of people that you can point to, uh, that is uh, tangible, that is uh, countable. There is a number to which people are added, as we find in the book of Acts, where people are converted, they're baptized, they're brought into the number uh, of the saints who then have fellowship with one another. The invisible church is the final product that will emerge from the scaffolding at the end of the process, but the visible church is the church as it looks presently on earth uh, with all the mess of a construction site. And we find this type of reality described in the parables of our Lord. Uh, For example, the parable of the net. Uh, I think the children have the coloring page there with the parable of the net. You have this big net that's uh, drawn through, and it gathers the fish, and uh, the fish are all brought on on shore, and uh, at that point, there is a uh, sorting of the fish. Let me go ahead and read that parable, because it is pretty short. He says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea, and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
And so there is a present gathering. Not all the fish in the ocean get gathered, but some get gathered into this net. And so we would call this collection of gathered fish uh, the, the church, the visible church. But not all the fish that are in it are necessarily uh, good fish. And some at the end are separated from the rest and thrown uh, uh, away, but the good are preserved in containers. And, um, of course, that's a good thing for us. It's not necessarily a good thing for fish, but that's where the the analogy starts to break down. But they are preserved, they are kept uh, in the end. But are there any that are put in containers that weren't in the net? The net is is the means by which they're drawn, right? Uh, the, the church is collecting them in history as the, the visible church, as people are being saved and gathered and brought together into one body. Uh, and then it is purified and refined at the end. But the, uh, the work in history goes on through the visible church. It's one reason why it says there's no ordinary uh, means of salvation outside the visible church. Uh, not, it doesn't mean that everyone in the visible church is saved, but, uh, but normally there aren't people saved outside the visible church. Um, we could also go to the parable of the wedding feast in chapter 22 of Matthew. Um, there, the king is giving a wedding feast for his son. Initially, people reject the invitations, and, and uh, they are... Uh, judged for them spurning that invitation. Uh, but then he tells his servants, Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. And so this is another image of the visible church, a gathering of those who are at the feast. It doesn't include all. Some reject the invitation, but those who answer the call are gathered into a body. They are s- sitting down there at the wedding feast, but is everyone in the wedding feast going to stay there forever? No. No. What happens next? Do you remember? What? One gets taken out. Yeah. That's right. One gets taken out because he's not wearing the wedding garment. There's a reckoning at the end. Who truly belongs there? Um, the king goes in to look at his guests, and he saw there was a man with no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. And so there is a gathering in this life. Again, does anyone end up in the wedding feast that wasn't gathered and by the call of the gospel into the wedding feast, you know, before that final day? No, that's the way the people are gathered there, is through that work of the church throughout history and the proclamation of the gospel, the gathering of that people into one group of guests. But uh, there's also a day in which it is purified so that only those who are chosen, who truly belong, who have the wedding garment, uh, who have faith in Christ, uh, endure forever. And that, of course, we've described as the invisible church. Uh, but in this age, uh, there is somewhat of a, a mixture. So the visible church, it's not like Christ is two churches, but we're looking at it from different angles, uh, from different ways that Scripture speaks of it in both ways. Scripture can speak of it in terms of this flock, this uh, group that's been chosen, that's being gathered, that will be saved all in the end, as well as a visible body of saints, like Paul addresses the church in Corinth. Uh, that it is the church of God. And 
they are called to be saints, along with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord. Here they're identified by the profession of the true religion. They call upon the name of the Lord. And there's sometimes need for church discipline within that church. Members uh, who uh, are uh, in, in need of that. And of course, if you follow along in 1 Corinthians, uh, they are called to be saints, they're holy ones, and included in that are their little ones, that uh, their uh, children are holy in chapter 7, verse 14, or literally could be translated, they are saints. Uh, so it would be those who profess the true religion and their children, which is also the way the visible church would be defined in the Old Testament. You have Abraham, who believed God and was counted unto him as righteousness, but then also uh, his, his children, his uh, household, his offspring that are received the mark of the covenant, setting them apart from the world, recognizing that God's covenant was made with them. Now, it says here, the visible church is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, The kingdom of Christ is a broader concept than the church. Uh, We can think of the kingdom in terms of the reign of Christ. How does Christ rule in your hearts how, does he, how is righteousness, peace, and joy manifested in your life, throughout your life, in every area of life? Uh, but as far as who are the citizens of the kingdom, uh, what is the, the citizenry of this kingdom uh, that Christ has gathered and, and uh, who are subjects and not rebels in this kingdom, we would call that the church. Uh, it would be its institutional expression uh, that Christ rules as its king to save them uh, in the way that David was king of Israel. Uh, they, just as he's a prophet, he's a priest, he's the king of this kingdom uh, of those people who are gathered. This is why when you have references to the church in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, it's talking about how the keys of the kingdom are given uh, to the church. And in reference to church discipline, some people are put out of it. Some, you know, people are received into it. Um, and so by putting in and out of the church, they're being put in, in and out of the kingdom uh, that's uh, in its visible reality. And so it closely links here the, the kingdom and the church and that there's a, a visible government, a spiritual government uh, that Christ appoints uh, in his church uh, to to bring that uh, kingdom to maturity. So when the kingdom is described in terms of a gathered group of people, uh, the church is being referred to, uh, such as the parables of the net, the parable of the wedding feast. Um, But like I said, it can also be a a broader concept uh, that would go beyond that, a source of spiritual transformation, uh, for example, So we're not necessarily saying that the kingdom is the church. You could probably say that in a a qualified sense. But the church certainly is the kingdom. Uh, is the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's also the house and family of God. Uh, We find that uh, image and analogy used in multiple books of the Bible. Uh, Moses was a servant in the house, and Jesus Christ is the son over the house, and we are that house. Uh, if we hold fast to uh, the faith. Uh, described in, in terms of the government of this church, uh, that an overseer should be able to rule his own household, because if he can't do that, how will he manage the church of God? That it is 
in First Timothy 3, described as the, the household of, of God. We are brothers and sisters in, in Christ, and we are children of God. Any questions about the... Oh, one more thing. The, vis- the visible church is also Catholic or universal under the gospel. So it's not universal in its, in its fullest sense, uh, speaking of the invisible church, but the visible church is universal under the gospel. It's not confined to the organization of one particular nation like Israel, uh, but rather it's an international uh, kingdom. It is a church that consists of uh, those from all nations throughout the world um, who profess the true religion and of their children. Any questions on the second article? All right. So then let's go to the third article, which is on the resources and the work of the visible church. Unto this Catholic visible church, Christ hath given the ministry, oracles, and ordinances of God for the gathering and perfecting of the saints in this life to the end of the world, and doth by his own presence and spirit, according to his promise, make them effectual thereunto. So let's break this down a little bit. There are external resources, um, outward means, which Christ has given to the visible church. The ministry, the oracles, and the ordinances of God. What would the ministry refer to? So the oracles refers to the word of God, but um, the the ministry of that word, uh, like you're describing, would be the the ministry. Um, we can think of Ephesians 4, where Christ gives to his church apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, uh, that he gives these, uh, these ministries, these officers, uh, to the church to, uh, to perfect the saints. Um, you can think of 1 Corinthians 12 as well, where some of the things that it refers to are... Um, unique to the New Testament, uh, but others continue to be uh, used today. Uh, let's see if I wrote down the first one, the right one. You know, and, and God is appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, various gifts of tongue. Um, we could break that down, but teachers here would refer to ministers of the word. Um, I believe it's the, the helps uh, which would refer to ruling elders, administrating, referring to deacons, uh, that there is uh, uh, a ministry that Christ has given the church. I think the Westminster Confession, by the way it uses ministers, is probably especially referring to the ministry of the word, but we could refer to all these things that Christ has appointed for the good of his church, for the building up of the whole body, um, elders, deacons, also has given the oracles of God. What advantage has the Jew? Paul asks in Romans. Well, to them were committed the oracles of God. 
in Romans chapter 3, verse 2. In Deuteronomy, it describes how Moses wrote this law, and then he gave it to the priests, that the priests might bring it out and read it and teach the people, uh, that the church was entrusted with the oracles of God uh, to then teach it and instruct the people to preserve that word. First um, Timothy 3 speaks of how Scripture is able to make the man of God fully equipped for every good work, to, uh, to train the saints, to uh, reprove, to uh, exhort, uh, to train in righteousness, uh, everything that the church of God needs. Also has been given the oracles of God, uh, sorry, ordinances of God, which would include the sacraments. We can think of when Christ sends out the church and the Great Commission, both speaks of teaching them to observe the commandments as well as baptizing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul speaks of the Lord's Supper. I, what I received, I delivered to you. And goes on to describe the institution of the Lord's Supper. Um, we might act, maybe include church discipline or uh, other ordinances that Christ has instituted in his church. Um, but he has given the church these things that he has appointed. These would be uh, outward means. Uh, there's also the work of the church for which these resources are given. Um, I think we can include uh, the fellowship of the saints as well in the ordinances of God in the sense that's going to be described in the next chapter. Um, fellowship in worship, fellowship in mutual edification, fellowship in uh, outward help. Now, Christ has gifted the visible church for the gathering and perfecting of the saints in this life to the end of the world. We can see that gathering work in those parables, the net that's gathering up all the fish, the the wedding feast to which people are sent out to gather the people into the wedding hall, into the feast. Uh, The church is equipped to bring people in to uh, make them disciples, to initiate them into this body, to proclaim the gospel and to gather them by that call. It's also for the perfecting of the saints. Uh, that word comes from uh, Ephesians 4, although there's several places where that theme is found. Paul speaks of teaching everyone and proclaiming. Um, I'll just go ahead and look it up. In Colossians Him we proclaim, speaking of Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom that we might present everyone mature in Christ. So you have that proclamation of the gospel and an instruction of the saints that they might be mature or perfect, you know, complete uh, in Christ. Uh, In Ephesians, that Christ has given the church these uh, ministries, these ministers for the equipping or perfecting of the saints that they might be a a mature body of Christ. And then there's the spiritual resource of the church. It's not just simply given these these outward means, but Christ by his own presence and spirit, according to his promise, makes these external means effectual to these ends. So it's not a vain task that he sets his church upon. Uh, Rather, uh, he says, I will be with you to the end of the age. As he was with Jacob in the Old Testament, I'll be with you to keep you, and I'm not going to leave you till I fulfill all these promises. So uh, Christ promises to be with his church to make these means effectual to these ends so that all the elect will be gathered and that they will be perfected and that uh, this process will be completed 
now that the nations will be discipled. Any questions on the third article here? Yes, prayer. Prayer, yes. There's a fuller list of what the Westminster Assembly considered ordinances in the Directory of Worship, which I don't have. Maybe I could pull it up. But yeah, things like prayer would be included as well in ordinances. It's kind of a general term for things God has appointed, you know, in his church. Any other questions? All right. I'm wondering if I should stop at this point and save the rest for next time because we have three more articles. Um, Let's go ahead and and finish here. So we'll save the the other three articles for next time. Um, But just to remember that there's... The, the church of God, the invisible church, the, the elect that have been, will be, are being gathered. There's the church considered as the visible church, uh, which is existing on life, this uh, society of those who profess the true faith and uh, their children. And uh, we'll get into it, how there's this, the visible church is Catholic. There's, it does not restricted to particular churches, which is one reason why we speak of the local church, a regional church. Uh, uh, we could speak of the global church, you know, our, our denomination, uh, that there's therefore government on various levels too, The churches are connected, um, but that the church has been entrusted with these things, not just the officers, although the officers have certain ways that they administer the Uh, ministry of the church, but it's for the building up of the whole body. So as Paul says, each part is working properly uh, that the body builds itself up in love, that the whole church shares the same mission, the same goals, the same work of gathering the elect, perfecting the saints. Each Each person has a part to play, and if you are a member of the visible church, you have a part to play in the work of the visible church. Uh, to edify one another, that uh, to to, um, to to gather in the churches, uh, Isaiah two says they'll say to one another, "Come, let us go to the house of the Lord, so that we might walk in His, learn His ways, and walk in His paths." Um, and so, uh, Paul can describe the church as the partnership of the gospel, uh, as he speaks of the fellowship that the Philippian saints had with him in his gospel ministry, and that they worked with him and shared the same goals. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your love for your church, that you have gathered us from our sins, which we willfully had embraced. We thank you for bringing us out by the call of the gospel, and we pray that you would uh, preserve your saints in the true faith, that we might persevere to the end and receive the uh, blessings and the glory that comes in Christ Jesus. We pray that you would bless the work of the church, that you would cause many to be gathered in, uh, and that you would build us up in maturity, that we would be learning 
and learning to observe your ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.